everybody. Welcome to the Philly Sports Convo. This is my podcast where I get to talk to the biggest names in Philly sports. This is episode number five. And my guest today, uh, in my mind, is one of the most versatile broadcasters out there. This guy is the voice of the Eagles in Espanol, voice of the Yankees in Espanol, used to do the Phillies in Espanol. He's a host on WIP. He's a host on WFAN in New York. As always, I get tired just going over his schedule. He is the great Ricky Ricardo. Ricky, good to see you, man. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Jason's a pleasure. Now, to add to that, and the only reason I'm doing this... Wait, there's more? ...is because we have a lot more in common than you're even giving yourself credit for. Okay. I remember, I started, I was, you know, 17 years old. I just turned 62 last week. I was 18 years old when I was on WBLS FM in New York, which at the time was the number disco. Right. Uh, about 1982. So wait, you were so, 18 years old... And on the air in the number one market in the country, eight to midnight, number one, uh, number one rated show at the number one station in New York. This is all documented. You can look it up. I believe you. So I did music radio for the first. Uh, let me see, from eighty-two to two thousand five, I did music radio. Now I've watched you play hits, okay, and and I I follow everything Jason does, and you go back many years also. So there's I... a lot more in common here. You know, I, I was on that stage in English. The first time I ever did Spanish radio at all uh -huh. was in 1994 when I was on, uh, at the time I was on a station called Hot 97, which a lot of people in the Philly area are familiar with. It's, sure. It was the first, the first big hip-hop station in the country. Right. Migrated over to Hot 97 when it was still playing freestyle stuff, okay, uh, which was the Latino-based you know, in English, most of it, but popish dance music, the freestyle craze of the late 80s into the early 90s. That kind of started fading out when the grunge music started. With that, that took over a lot of the stations that had that format. And then eventually Hot 97 went from a dance format to hip-hop. At that time, when it went to hip-hop and they brought in a whole crew, a whole different crew, the Ed Lovers of the World and the hardcore hip hop guys. Okay. I got an offer to go start a new radio station in New York called Mega. And the 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 intention of Mega was to have a young demo Spanish or actually more Spanglish format where we would play some of those freestyle hits of the last four or five years, salsa and engage to the huge Hispanic New York audience and be bilingual. So the whole point of naming the station Mega right. was it's a word that is spelled and pronounced the same in both languages. Okay, that makes okay? sense. So it was Mega 97.9, which to this day is still a top five station for, for Spanish broadcasting systems, the company. Uh, but I was brought over to start that station, start the format in itself, and I did morning drive and was the program and music director there uh, for many, many years uh, until then uh, my career took me to program stations in Hartford, Connecticut, hip-hop and R&B, and I had a Latino station uh, in Hartford, Connecticut also. Uh, I went to iHeart for a couple of years because the guy, the general manager that I had at Mega was financed by some private financiers to start the Mega format all over the country. Okay. So for iHeart, we, we spent three years going into different markets around the country and flipping stations that 
that had uh, maybe reached its peak already and were starting to die off in audience. And we were flipping them into megas in markets with, you know, heavy concentration of bilingual Hispanics. So I did that until 2007. They offered me one last station to flip. One more. They had one more market that had not been flipped. Okay. And that market was Philadelphia. Okay. So so that was Roomba, right? So that was Roomba 104.5. Right. Okay. Right. I was the morning drive personality at Roomba and the music director at Roomba. And what happened was uh, the station that I came to Roomba from was Mega 94.9 in Miami. And within the two years in Miami at Mega, the Marlins had won the World Series. They beat the Yankees, remember, in 2004, 2005, I'm trying to remember exactly what the year was that the Marlins beat the Yankees in the World Series and tore the team apart. 2005, because Joe Girardi came in as manager the first year that I got to the Marlins. Okay. Because the Marlins, when we were playing reggaeton at Mega, the Marlins said, we need to, to pull in that young reggaeton audience to grow as Marlins fans with our new young players because they had sold off all the veterans after they won the World Series. So what happened was, the young Marlins players all in their early 20s that loved that music, they would come to my morning show and play DJ, and at night, I, the Marlins allowed me to do play-by-play. -play All right, so let me ask you this. So mm -hmm. did, did you intend on getting into sports casting? Because no. from, from the sounds of it, it just happened. It happened. I, so I'm doing morning drive on a music station and Marlins play-by-play -play at night. Obviously, I never slept. Very little, anyway. <laughs> but when I got the offer to go program the station in Philadelphia, I asked the Marlins people, their media people and radio and TV people, if they would contact the Phillies and ask them if they would be interested in a similar arrangement where I would bring on some of their Latino players. My first guest was Ruben Amaro Jr., okay? Good man, good man. Started Ruba. Okay, I brought Ruben on, and, and you know we we tried to push you know, the Phillies to the Latino Roomba audience, and then I would do some play-by-play. -play. So, opening day of the 2007 season, I had my credential. Uh, you remember Ed in the media room, uh, up where in the press box? Ed was the guy that ran the the, the press box over there. Okay. For many, many. So I met Ed, and he 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 was instructed to take me into the Philly Spanish radio booth where I met Bill Kulik. Now, Bill had just gotten the Philly Spanish rights the season before. He had come from Boston where he had made the Red Sox in Spanish a success, and he was uh, tasked into doing the same for the Phillies. So I met Bill on opening day, and I said, listen, I've been doing this for the Marlins. I, you know, I, I'm now the guy at Roomba. I can co we can cross-promote ourselves. I'll promote the broadcast in Spanish on Roomba, and you have me on the baseball broadcast. He said, absolutely. And I told him I was very, I guess I had a lot of nerve because I said, you know, if you let me do one inning, you're never going to take me off. You're never going to let me get away. And he looked at me like, whoa, you know, that's kind of bold. Well, hey, make it's, a long story it's short, not bold if you back it up, buddy. It's uh, I make a long story short. I did the first inning of that opening day game. And by the bottom of the ninth, he told me, you know something? You were right. You're not getting away. 
Whatever happens with Roomba, you are now one of the Phillies broadcasters. And that is where I started to move away eventually from, from music when Roomba was we had to flip the format because of the rating system. Nielsen took over the uh, the ratings, right. and they had the little people meters back then, if you remember that. Jim. Yes, sure. So the people meter took over for the diary. And what happened was when they started sending the people meters to the Latino listeners, the, the Hispanics, the focus groups, the Latinos said, no, that's not a people meter. That's Dick Cheney and the government trying to track us down to deport us. Oh. They would take the people meters and throw them in the dumpsters. So Roomba's ratings went from here to here overnight because none of the, a very small percentage of the Latinos were actually letting the people meter read what they were listening. So iHeart decided. We can't have this. And they changed the format to soft rock, whatever it was. They let all of us go. Yeah. And I felt, you know, that was my default landing into the Phillies radio booth. And the rest is history. Now, I started doing these, you know, these great calls of the home runs for the Phillies in Spanish, which got the ND Bloom. You familiar? Yeah, Andy Bloom. Sure. WIP. Yeah. Right. So WIP's Andy Bloom. He's the guy who brought Howard Stern to town, Andy Bloom. Same guy. So Andy Bloom came into the Spanish booth one night. It was next door, obviously, to WIP's booth at Citizens Bank Park. And he had looked at at my resume from all the years on New York radio. And Andy says to me, are you the same Ricky Ricardo that was at this station and did this and program here? And it's the same guy. And he said, you know what? I want to put you on WIP. I got the WIP gig. Um, now, by then it was maybe right after the World Series. So, it was, you know, late 2008 into 2009, Andy put me on WIP, and the rest is history. I was with the Phillies through the 2013 season and IP at the same time. The Eagle job was made available the first. I'm, I, I am the only Spanish play by play guy the Eagles have ever had. So the Eagle play-by-play job came about in 2011. Andy Reid was still there as coach. Mm-hmm. So I was now the Phillies and Eagle Spanish guy and WIP in English. At the end of the 2013 baseball season, the Yankee job became open. The guy's name was Mark Chernoff, who WFAN. was the program director of WFAN. Yep. Now, Mark Chernoff and Andy Bloom are tight. They had been best men at each other's wedding, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. And I went to Andy and I said, Hey, Andy, there's an opening in New York, much more money. And it is New York after all. And I said, Andy, could you make a call to your buddy, Mark Chernoff and see if I can't give him a tape of what I'm doing with the Phillies and apply for the Yankee job. Andy made a call. I sent the tape. A month later, I was the new Yankees broadcaster came after me at that time the new york giants were looking to start football in spanish the eagles beat the giants to uh to the spanish broadcast by a couple of years okay and and mark chernoff who had the rights for the giants said nope we need to keep him in philadelphia because he is the he's been the only broadcaster the eagles have ever had so he's gonna do to yank and eagles football and we're gonna have him on both WFAN and our sister station WIP in Philadelphia and the rest is history.
Wow. So <laughs> you just summed it up very well. Uh, I, I got a couple of questions because knowing that you kind of go back and forth between New York and Philadelphia, I, I don't know how many people could do that without raising the ire of either or both fan bases. You know, because if it's the Yankees, Phillies, you're you're a Yankee guy. If it's Eagles, Giants, you're an Eagles guy. How have you been able to to to, to kind of ride that line without upsetting either fan base? I guess I'm a nice guy and I'm <laughs> honest. You know, it's it's not very often now it is with the new type of scheduling. But remember, the Yankees and Phillies wouldn't you know first wouldn't meet each other at all other than spring training right if it wasn't the world series then we had interleague play but they would play every three years so it would be three games in in the bronx and then three years later three games in uh in philadelphia but what i did make very clear to everyone was in new york i made it very clear that I was not a uh, a big uh, a giant fan. I, I had really been raised a Jet fan since I was a kid. So I grew up in North Jersey. Okay. All right? And I said, I like green teams that fly, but I'm your new Yankee guy. So I was kind of forgiven for the, you know, for the Eagle <laughs> I thing. I like that. <laughs> I was forgiven for the Eagle thing by the Yankee fan. Now, a lot of Yankee fans are giant fans. So I somehow, you know, worked my way through that. In Philadelphia, I made sure to let Phillies fans know that I despise the New York Mets. Well, that's, that's at smart. The time, that which is the truth. Yeah. At the time, that rivalry was really hot. Jimmy Rollins had made the statement. Remember the, the, the team to beat about, about the Mets and we're the team to beat yep. and the whole thing. And I sided obviously with Jimmy and 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 the Phillies because I've always been anti-Mets. So that calmed the waters down in Philadelphia and then, you know, not liking the Cowboys, despising the Giants. I think that cemented it, you know, it cement me in to the Philadelphia fan base. Because the one thing about Philadelphia, if you're real and you're honest and you come across that way, then you are loved for life. If you're phony, they can tell like a $3 bill and you're out of here quick. From day one, I was as real and as honest as possible, Jason. You know where my heart is Absolutely. as far as people are concerned. You know, if it were if the, if another Yankee Phillies World Series does come around, I'm going to be doing it hiding under the table, like you know, <laughs> like that. I'll I'll have to work something out. It hasn't happened yet. We got close last year. The Phillies got in. The Yankees got eliminated by the Astros. Obviously, we were we were one series away. Almost there, yeah. You know, Really holding me over the fire so, uh, with a, with another Yankee Phillies World Series. So so you have a Phillies World Series ring from 2008. You you have an Eagles Super Bowl ring from 2017. Are you the only one who has both a Phillies World Series ring and an Eagles Super Bowl ring? I was trying to think if anybody else possibly has both, okay, but I can't I, think of anybody. I'll be honest with you, I did not get the ring. I did not get the ring in 2008. Okay. Okay. They gave one ring. And it was to Bill Kulik, who was the rights holder. Got it. Okay. Okay. So Bill, Bill is right now the second guy. Well, I I really shouldn't say that. Bill is the rights holder, was at the time also the rights holder for the Eagles in Spanish. Okay. But he's not the play-by-play guy. I am. So if you combine me and Bill, you've got, you know, a, a World Series ring, Super Bowl ring, and I also have the conference championship ring. From last year. Right. So what I am waiting for, Jason, to make history 
is when the Yankees win a World Series, and hopefully they beat the Dodgers or whoever else, but when that happens, I'll be the first guy, actually the second guy, i got to be honest, the second guy in sports casting history to have to be the local guy, not a national guy, but the hometown announcer that has his hometown World Series ring, his hometown Super Bowl ring. There was only one other man that's ever done it. Can you can you take a wild guess at who that was? Can you give me the time period? Uh, early seventies. The only one I could think of is Bill King. Bill King, the voice of the Oakland Raiders and the Oakland A's. It was him. Only the late Bill King. How about that, Ricky? Come on, you got to be impressed. You got. I'm impressed because that's. I tell you what. I get everybody with that question. The great Bill King was the voice of both the Oakland A's and the Oakland Raiders, so he had both rings. Now he's obviously he's not with us anymore. I'll be the only guy walking God's green earth with a World Series ring and a Super Bowl ring, and just for good measure, conference championship ring too. Didn't Bill King also do Golden State Warriors basketball for a bit? He may have. I, 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 it was either him or John um, that did uh, – John that's with the Giants. Why am I um, – Oh, John Miller. John Miller, the great yeah. John Miller. I'm a, I'm a broadcasting geek, Ricky. <laughs> yeah, John Miller did uh, California Golden Seals hockey. Wow. I did not know that. Did yeah. not know that. All right, let me ask you this. So, you know, you, you do baseball, you do football. When you, when you were doing the Phillies and the Eagles at the same time, did you ever have to do both in the same day? And if so, what was that like? That could not have been easy. Have was there a time, I think there, there was one. Because I, I've heard, you know, because Jim Jackson for a while did Phillies pre and post on the radio, and he did a couple of these play-by-play. And I've heard him tell stories about, like, he'd have a 1 o'clock hockey game but then that night the Phillies would play at 7.30, and he would have two now, games in one day. I have done Eagles regular season game at 1 o'clock, Yankees, Cleveland, at the time Cleveland Indians, our Guardians, playoff game in the Bronx at 8.30. Wow. I, I did pull that off. Wow. But I don't remember, I don't think in my tenure, you know, remember – most of those Phillies playoff games in 2009, 2010, into the 2011, the night that ended it all when Halliday had the the one nothing shutout with with, with uh, Carpenter and the, right. and the Cardinals, and Ryan Howard tore the Achilles on the last out of the game. That was the that was the last night of the Phillies dynasty, as you well know. Yep, yep. But I don't think if my remember if my memory serves me correctly that we had to go across the street. There may have been one time that that there was a, a Phillies postseason game and an Eagle game on the same calendar day. You, you may know even more than I do there. My memories. Uh, I, I don't remember having one of those. But I could be wrong. All right. I, I, I want to talk some more baseball with you. And, I you know, I, this whole Shohei Otani thing, I, I, I got to get your take on it. Uh, as we're recording this, the story came out that he's deferring a lot of the money. It's a $700 million contract, but he's only, and it's funny how we say only in terms of sports money, he's only getting $2 million a year for the 10 years, but then after it, it's like $68 million a year for the 10, 10 years after that. What, what do you make of that deal? 
You know, Jason, I still don't fully understand because... Neither do I. <laughs> the luxury tax hit, quote-unquote, for the Dodgers, I've been told, is $46 million. Otani is going to take home $2 million, but the luxury tax number for the Dodgers to get to their threshold, or beyond it, obviously, is going to be $46 million. So... I'm still unclear of how that works. Now, Otani makes more than 50 to $60 million a year off the field anyways. Right. So it's not, uh, you know, asking anybody for a loan or, or he's going to be late for the, for the <laughs> yeah, mortgage right. at, at any point. But the Dodgers starting in 2034 are going to have to make up the difference, all those millions. Now, my question is this. What if Otani after the 10 years are over, decides he wants to play for, I don't know, the Phillies. I was thinking that too. What happens? That's, right? that's, that's a great question. Right? Let's say he signs a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. Hypothetically. The Dodgers are going to pay him 60-something million, 68 million bucks that year on top of whatever the team he plays for that season's going to pay him? I, it's a bizarre arrangement. I've never seen any. I've, I've I've heard of deferred money, but never to the extent, you know, that that this deal uh, is bringing forth. And the funny thing is, it's all legal. But the collective bargaining agreement, it says that any amount of money can be deferred. There is no cap or no limit to the deferred money to any contract under this union agreement. Unbelievable. It is a crazy story. All right, I, I can't end this without talking about some of your viral calls, and you've had a lot of them, both baseball and football. In, in terms of, I guess, your favorite calls, can you give me maybe a top five? You know, there's, there's the no senior, the C senior. You had the Aaron Judge home run, the 60-second home run, I guess, what, in October of, of last year, 2022? Um, right. Of course, the Eagles Super Bowl. G- give, me your, give me your top five. Okay, um, I'll go five to one. Okay. Number five, number five, I am going to put as the Roy Halladay no hitter. I forgot about that. Yeah. You're right. In the playoffs. Let's make that number five. Okay. Okay. Number four, I'm going to give you the C Senor. Jake Elliott beating the Giants, and that changed that season around for both teams. Absolutely, yeah. The 61-yard yards. The C Senor Elliott kick against the Giants. Number three, the Judge home run, 62, majestic shot, last day of the season. There was a a doubleheader that day, and he got it done early. But uh, Aaron Judge and that home run, because Aaron is – I love Aaron Judge (laughs) – of all the athletes I have ever dealt with, there is no more down-to-earth, real person than one Aaron Judge. He, he, he was raised properly by his family. He's just a fantastic guy. So I'm going go, to go judge there. Boy, you, you know, if, if you're only giving me five, I'm going to leave something out that I shouldn't leave out. I'm going to tell you what, the one I'm going to leave out, and I'm going to tell you why okay. I'm leaving it. Number two is the Roy Halladay perfecto, the perfect game in Miami. The funny thing about that call, Jason, 
It was a Saturday night in what was basically a meaningless, quote-unquote, meaningless May evening game right? between the Phillies and the Marlins. That night, my broadcast partner on Phillies radio in Spanish, Danny Martinez, went to his daughter's graduation. So I was left to do pregame, all nine innings, and postgame. Oh, and at that yourself. time, going on, to, on 1210 WPHT to do – Remember, we had a second post-game show, which was like a call-in show. Yeah, sure. On WPHT. It was extra innings, I think it was, whatever it was called. Phillies Extra, may have been. So I did I did the Phillies pregame in Spanish, all nine innings by myself of that game, Phillies post-game in Spanish, and then the second English post-game on WPHT. I did all of that that night, but I did all nine innings of the Halliday Perfect game because Danny went to his daughter's graduation that night. Unbelievable. <laughs> and I I did every pitch of the Roy Halladay Perfecto against the uh, against the then Florida Marlins. And, and that one is still one of those calls when you know it's Perfecto Roy Halladay. It, it was it was so unexpected. And on a night where I didn't have to share the mic with anybody. That's so wow. it, no, it was me. That's that's but a number one, great memory. Number one, Number one is no senor. And I'll tell you why the last play of the Super Bowl is not on my list. If you if you go back and listen, it was a great call. But we had a little bit of a crowd in the broadcast booth at the stadium in Minnesota. Okay? Okay. I was doing play-by-play. My wonderful wife, who at the time was the I was using her as the Eagle sideline reporter. Oh, there was only a limit to how many people could be on the sideline at the Super Bowl. So she actually did her reporting, which is injuries, basically what Howard Eskin does, but in Spanish. But she was doing it from the broadcast booth. So on top of that, we had Bill, the rights holder, and his wife. We had three or four extra. My son was there taking pictures. And as I am calling, as you remember, on that last play of the Super Bowl, Brady throws the Hail Mary to Rob Gronkowski. And there were whatever it was, seven, eight, nine seconds left in the game. And I had said, you know, it's going to take Gronkowski six, seven, eight seconds just to get down to the end zone. So I'm saying to my audience, I doubt there will be another play. This will probably be the last play of the game. So Brady, let's go with the ball. You have that, you have the two defenders on top of Gronkowski's shoulders. I thought for sure, I said, you know, the the, uh, the 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 fix is in with Belichick and the Patriots. Somebody's going to throw a flag. They're going to put the ball at the one yard line. They're going to give Brady one more play. He's going to he's going to tie the game. There's going to be a two point conversion, and we're going to go to overtime. I was convinced of that. But as I watched before, I went nuts and said, "The Eagles are champions in Spanish." Los Eagles son campeones, and lost my mind doing it. I remember. I waited to look at. Gene Steratore, the ref, because I said, they might put one second back on the clock. And the one thing I don't want to do is go through this huge call and celebration and then have to say, nope, there's one second left on the clock and they're giving Brady another shot. I looked a second time and I saw Belichick start running off the sideline to shake hands with Doug Peterson, and right then and there, 
I went into the whole thing. But what happened was the mics were all open. So my wife started screaming. Bill's wife started screaming. I got basically drowned out. Yeah, but you know what? But but that that added to the call. It added oh, to that, that, it, it, it added to the call. It made it made it even more memorable. But I'm here. I am waving at everybody. You know, <laughs> keep it down a little bit. I'm trying to make this is this is the biggest call of my life. The Eagles have just won the Super Bowl, and I've got about five other voices piling on top of me. So you know that that's the one A, I guess, uh, in, in your list. Obviously, the most meaningful right. is obviously the Eagles Super Bowl. You know, calling it that night and everything that went with it. You know, when we left the stadium, how cold it was, and our cell phones actually froze, and we couldn't even order an Uber because the phones were froze. Literally, Jason. Wow. Froze. Our phones all froze. It was my son's uh, Android that that, that that that's the only one that worked. And we were able to order an Uber that cost about a hundred bucks to get back to the hotel after we had done all the post-game shows uh, that there were to do that night in, in Minnesota. But each one of those calls is is near and dear to my heart. But I had a very good relationship, Jason, with Roy Halladay. Uh, luckily, because he was not a guy that opened up very much to too many people. But for some reason, him and I had a very, very good relationship. So that's why I add both the Halliday no-hitter uh, against the Cincinnati Reds and then obviously the perfect game that he pitched against the Marlins. Those two have to be in my top five list of, of my all-time favorite calls. I miss him. Hall of Famer, great guy. So those two calls have to be on my list. I love it. Uh, Ricky, I think that's that's a great spot to end. Um, and I, I feel like I could talk to you all night. Um, and I always love talking to you. And you know, I want to thank you because every time I've asked you to come on a show, whether it's this podcast or my old TV show, you never said no. Uh, I love you, man. You're a great guy. You've been a great friend. And I thank you for doing this tonight. Really, thanks. That. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Let's do a part two so we can talk about these eagles. You got right? it. You, you know, I you can do a part two whenever you want, Jason. You're a pro's pro. You have all of my respect. And, you know, here's a guy that's been doing radio in major markets, you know, for over 40 years. You know, you're one of a kind. I thank you for the invitation. Back at I'm you, here man. for you whenever you want. And I look forward, I'm going to hold you to it. We'll do a part two on here so we can talk about the upcoming uh, Philly season, the Eagles postseason, what I think is happening right now, which – you know, I'm scared to tell you the truth. Yeah, well, me too. You know? But that's yeah. another conversation. <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. But uh, but thank you and thank you to all of your great viewers over the years and the listeners uh, that are always behind you. Philly, you are the absolute best, and I love you very much. You know I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Fly, Eagles, fly. Fly, Eagles, fly. Ricky, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for everything. Anytime, Jason. We'll talk soon. And thank you for tuning in to Episode 5 of the Philly Sports Convo. We'll see you next time. Stay connected with us on social media. Join our Discord community and grab merch from our shop. The Philly Sports Convo is a Blue Eye Visual production.